So we're looking at the topic of prayer today. Open your um, curriculum if you're not there to page 16. Uh, we're looking at this Grace and Grant series of Man of God. And the Man of God uh, is a man of prayer. And he opens this curriculum. And um, you have it here. And I hope your habit is either prior to coming, that would be best that you're actually working your way through the through the curriculum, and that's uh, part of your homework. Or if not, you're you're listening to the teaching in a day, and then you're going to go home, and based on what you've heard and the curriculum, you're going to work through it. So we'll hit some of the points in the curriculum today, but uh, I'm just going to be candid with you. I am not very good at teaching somebody else's curriculum, okay? So I, I'm familiar with here. I've gone through it over and over again, and we'll certainly hit it, but um, we'll probably go on some rabbit trails in different directions that will deal with the topic. As you think about prayer, and as you have memorized, meditated through the years, maybe you don't have it all completely right, but... Give me some um, verses, quote part of it. If you need to right now, uh, look it up in your Bible so that you could read it. That would be fine. But just to sort of set our mind, give us some encouragement from God's Word on the topic of prayer, instruction of prayer, particular prayer. Give me some verses on prayer. You participate. Stephen? Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests... You may know unto God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So that's great. We started with Stephen, we'll just go right in a row and right around. Yeah. No, I, 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 somebody else. Remark? Matthew 6 9, you know, when you pray, pray this way. Okay. Very good. Somebody else. Yeah, I think of I think of the model prayer as well. Uh, just even as a Catholic, I learned it. I didn't know what it meant then, but I do review it now. And I remember uh, an article Martin Luther wrote a simple way to pray and he would teach and then he would pray in a way to actually work through the Lord's Prayer as an encouragement to me. You know, for years um, I would sit under teaching and sooner or later I would come under conviction about this area of meditating day and night. And meditating day and night is how you have good success. Um, it's, it's how um, the, the Word... The Spirit of God takes the Word of God and literally renews your mind and transforms your life, how you grow in the grace and the knowledge and the truth of Christ. That's not something magical that I read black and white ink and then it somehow just grows me like Christ. There's, there's a process, and part of the process is your responsibility where you're working with the Spirit, and that process is I meditate day and night, meditate day and night. I'm sure you've done that study. And, uh, of course, to meditate day and night means you have to have it in your heart. Well, then that was always usually a stumbling block with me when I was uh, younger in faith because I didn't have a lot of verses memorized, so I thought. Um, and so how are you going to meditate when you don't have anything in there? So obviously I got busy trying to put things in there, but at some point it occurred to me, wait a minute, I have a whole lot more in there from my religious days before conversion than I thought I did. There isn't anybody in here that doesn't know the quote-unquote Lord's Prayer. Most everybody in here knows Psalm 23. I'm guessing most everybody in here knows Psalm 1. If you don't know the whole thing, you know most of it. Is that right? Yes? Okay. Well, there, there's three amazing passages of Scripture that you could spend months meditating on day and night and turning into prayer 
just those three alone. So uh, don't overlook the obvious. Don't always think that the answer is big and huge. There's the, the simple ways to let God's Spirit transform your life. So, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You, you can take that passage and you can you can pray and chew on that for hours. Some other verse. In the back. Um, pretty much uh, any Pauline epistle, like right at the beginning of any letter that Paul wrote, he's going straight to prayer and models wonderful prayer for the church. Alright, great. So, uh, Stephen? Yeah, I was just going to go with uh, one of those opening verses in Romans 1 9, where Paul says, For God, whom I serve in my spirit in, preach, in the preaching of the gospel of his Son, is my witness as how, as, <coughs> excuse me, as to how unceasingly I make mention of you, always in my prayers, making requests, if perhaps now, at, at the last, by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. Just leaving us the example there of having specificity Amen. in our prayers, having specific things. So, so Paul is always very specific in his prayer. But as you study the prayers of Paul, you'll you'll find some uh, words that are are always present, and it's going to be the words all, always, <coughs> continuously. Uh, Paul was the one, of course, in First Thessalonians five seventeen. Which says that we pray without ceasing. pray without ceasing, and pray. Paul is instructing us to pray always. Anybody else got a favorite verse? I'm wondering if anybody's going to get the verse I was going to give you. Nate. Uh, James one says, "If any man lacks wisdom, I'm asking God." Amen. Anything else? Any other? Any other? Any other? I mean, this is this is your prayer verse. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> you have not because you ask. You have not because you ask not, and that's always in the context of that I don't ask amiss, right? Right, so that I can consume something on myself. In other words, I'm praying God's will. Yes, sir. All the way in the back. Colossians one nine through twelve. All right. Good. You want to read that for me, or or oh, quote part of it? Sure. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. Joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share this inheritance of the saints in Amen. I'm going to ask you to turn to a powerful prayer verse that if we stood here for an hour, I don't think anybody would come up with. And then I'm going to pray briefly, read you that verse, um, give you one quick exhortation, and we're going to go to um, about a five-minute clip of uh, John Piper's that um, I think will set uh, what we need uh, for uh, this day. So turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. This is going to surprise most of you. And all of you expositors, which I hope is all of you, are already nervous. What is Brody doing now? How is he going to turn Ecclesiastes 3 into prayer? Let's pray. Father, we do. 
look to you, the author and finisher of our faith, uh, the Creator God, our Redeemer, our Savior. We look to you today. We thank you for life and breath. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together, to fellowship, to invest in one another, and to look at your all-sufficient, perfect Word of God. Take by the power of your Spirit. Your Word this morning energize us. Renew our minds. Transform us into the image of Christ. Change us. Give to every single one of us just one little nugget, Lord. One little um, source of conviction. One change in motivation. One area we need to repent in. One area that we need to embrace in that as we leave this place, we will already be starting to grow in grace in this area of prayer. That's what we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, somebody read that verse for me. Ecclesiastes 3, 1. Someone. Peter? For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Whoa! You see the prayer in there? I sit with men all the time, and one of the things that I'll ask them is talk to me about your prayer life. And usually before they talk to me about their prayer life, they spend about 15 minutes explaining to me why they what? Don't pray. pray. And then at some other point, I'll say to me, those that are married, I will say to them, talk to me heart to heart about what would be your typical prayer life in shepherding your wife. And they will say, almost without exception, what? I don't have... I don't have time. Now, <clears throat> what does this verse say? This verse says that there is a time, there's a season for everything and a time and a place for every purpose under sun, right? How many men here this morning are dressed? Good. Praise the Lord. You set time to get dressed. That's why you're dressed. If you don't set time to pray, you won't pray. But God's given you plenty of time to pray. It's just a matter of whether you'll set your day, your purposes in the day. Do you see your desperate need to be totally dependent on upon the Lord and without prayer, you simply are your own God. And in fact, if you are not a man of prayer at all, maybe you're not saved. Let me tell you what Spurgeon said about Ecclesiastes 3.1. This might scare the pants off of somebody here and they'll have to get redressed again after they <laughs> repent. Here's what Spurgeon said. No time to pray? Had you time to dress? There is a time for every purpose under heaven and if you had purpose to pray, you would have prayed. And then he went on in another place and said, when you get to hell, you will have plenty of time to pray. Now that's pretty heavy, isn't it? Spurgeon was inferring, if you don't pray, you don't have a relationship with God, and there's a day coming if you don't repent and believe that you'll be crying out in prayer forever and ever and ever and ever, but that prayer is never going to be answered. This is the day of answered prayer. This is the day of 
of grace. And so, Piper is going to talk to us about we can't live without prayer. That's how desperate it is for each of us. So let's see the video if we uh, could, and then we'll we'll get into the text. Suggestion number one in your life of prayer for 2009, set aside a time and a place each day and don't leave it to chance. Set aside a time and a place each day and don't leave it to chance. Write these three things down. Most praying before it happens because we didn't make plans. If you don't plan, believe me, oh, I have been at this a long time and the devil hates me and my prayer life like you wouldn't believe how many good things keep me from praying. Not sin. Sin does not keep me from praying. Righteousness keeps me from praying. Answering holy emails <laughs> and other holy things. <laughs> Just checking out one more piece of round of news to pray about at whatever news service you click on. It's not evil that keeps us from praying. It's good things. And he is shrewd to the bottom. So, pick a place and pick a time and show up. Number two. I suggest that you combine your praying with reading the Bible and that you take what you read in the Bible and you turn it in prayer. Because your brain, if it's a typical human brain, will have a very hard time holding a train of thought while you pray with no help from the Bible. Try it for just 10 minutes without your brain flipping out onto the dust you see on the Venetian blood. Just try it. He is wicked in his goodness. He needs to be dusted. Wouldn't be seen to get up and dust it. Would it? Use the Bible and turn the Bible into prayer. Read, pray, read, pray, read, pray, read, pray as long as you want to or can. That's number two. Number three. I suggest that you pray in concentric circles. You can either pray from the outside in or the inside out. And what I mean by concentric circles is I'm the most needy spiritual person I know. At least I know my sins better than I know anybody else. So I pray about me a lot. Have mercy upon me. Convict me. Kill me. Change me. Guard me, humble me, destroy those aspects of me. I pray about me a lot because of how sinful I am. And when you move out from me to my family, pray about Noel, pray about Talitha, all my sons, all my daughters-in-law, all my grandchildren, 
So it's another circle. Then I move out from there to the staff. I can name the staff and the elders. And then I move out to you, the church. And then I move out from there to the wider movement of Christ around the world, our missionaries and the whole global cause of Christ. And then I move out from there to the political, historical arena of the, of the world. I, I didn't really don't play about, pray about galaxies or anything like that, but my, my universe, as far as prayer goes, stops pretty much at the planet. I don't pray for the devil or angels. I don't see any reason for doing it in the Bible. So, or you could go the other direction, move from move from the outside in, just whatever. And in every every one of those concentric circles, if you wonder why you put God in the middle, it's because He's in every circle. And the main point of every circle is, "Hallowed be Thy name, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done." And only then do you get to give me some bread today. <laughs> Three big, massive, your name, hallowed, your kingdom arriving, your will on the planet done the way it's done in heaven and in my life. Those are in every circle. That's why he's not anywhere in the concentric circles. So those are my three suggestions. The hard truth is, we... Um, Christians don't do very well. We've done some surveys over the years at Bethlehem. It's pretty, pretty sad when we do them. I don't like to do them. I get discouraged. We don't pray very much. Pray at meals, maybe, unless we, we're still stuck at the adolescent stage that thinks good habits are legalism. We may whisper prayers before a tough meeting that we're walking into. We we may throw him a kiss as we crawl into bed. But we don't, we don't set aside significant, regular, daily, disciplined time to pray in those ways much. And we don't think it's worth it. Go to Desiring God. It's only 15 minutes. Uh, maybe it's actually uh, less than that, 12. Um, wouldn't be a bad idea if you struggle with prayer to watch that every uh, every Monday morning, first thing, starting your week or uh, a month, uh, and just uh, let it speak uh, to your hearts. Um, so... We're not going to pray if we don't purpose. If we don't, if we don't plan. Look in the curriculum there. Um, what does prayer represent? Um, Jerry asked uh, the question, and he gives us the uh, answer: uh, dependence. Um, the fact of the matter is, when we don't pray, whether we realize it or not, we don't believe that we actually need God's help. We may say that we do, um, but the practical uh, matter is we're, um, we're functioning as an unbeliever. We're, we're functioning as though we don't need God uh, because God's commanded us to pray. 
God has made a way that we can enter into His throne room and receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 4, 16. Hebrews 4, 14 and 15 reminds us that He's our great high priest. He's faced everything we'll ever face, every temptation, and He's faced it without sin. Therefore, we can go to Him confidently, boldly in prayer, and we can have answers to our prayer. If we really believe that, we would be praying men. When I'm not a praying man, the fact of the matter is, I'm not believing that truth. Why wouldn't you pray if you knew that was true? If you knew that there was a God in heaven who sent His Son, His Son bore all of your sin on the cross, and you are in Christ, and when God in heaven looks at you, He is as pleased with you as He is with His Son. And He wants to pour His blessing on you as you pray according to His Word, as you pray the principles of His Word, as you pray the promises of His Word. Um, he wants to do that. Look, look at First Peter chapter 5. Many places we could go if we tried to anchor our thoughts in prayer, but I, I think the overriding theme here is, is that we don't set time for prayer, we don't purpose to pray, and we need to understand that the number one reason we don't do it is we have a, an inbred pride that, um, that keeps us from prayer. We, we just flat out think we don't need it because what we need will do. And, and and Peter, I think, laid this out as, uh, as well as possible. You'll see in, in, in the outline here that um, Jerry is saying um, we've got to be aware of the hindrances and he's going to go through a whole list of them. We're not going to look at all of them, but the, I, I think beyond question, the biggest hindrance is the pride that's in our own heart, the idol that's in our, our own uh, heart with us being on our own throne and thinking that somehow we are in control of our lives when the fact of the matter is we are in control in of absolutely what? And what can we do without Him? Nothing. And, and if we genuinely believe that by faith, we are we are going to be men of prayer. So look at 1 Peter uh, 5. If you have a, a heading there, you'll see that it's says uh, shepherd the flock and uh, it begins with uh, the elders so it, it begins talking to the elders for sure this is Peter talking to the dispersion people that are under great pressure and have have run for uh, their very lives have been dispersed out of um, the main uh, cities where they were worshiping and are being hunted down it's often looked at as a, as a book for um, suffering. Um, one of the verses that often comes to my mind, and I know I don't know anything about suffering, but in here, Peter says very simply, suffer like a Christian. Put your big boy pants on. Um, Jesus Christ is your example. Um, why are you Why are you always whining? Why are you always down in the mouth? Why are you always surprised? Didn't I didn't I tell you? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. 
I'm coming back. That's when the kingdom comes. I'm going to come back and get you and take you to the kingdom where you won't have to pray like that anymore. You can spend all eternity praising because everything's going to be perfect, but in this day you are going to have trouble and there's plenty of it. And Job said it's like sparks that fly up from a fire. In this world you'll have trouble. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world, Christ Mm -hmm. told his disciples. Mm -hmm. And so certainly we should be totally um, dependent on the Lord and He continually takes us through these trials that humble us, don't they? The trials humble us and then that brings us back to prayer. And all through this curriculum, Jerry is reminding us of that and we see here in First Peter that Peter is going to move uh, right down the road from the elders to uh, everyone. Look at verse 5. Likewise, ye younger people. Um, I'm trying to look around. I'm facing birthday number 70. Is there anybody in here that is a little bit older than me? Harold, how old are you? Do you mind telling us? 76. Did you say you're 96? 76. All right. If you're younger than Harold, you're a you're a younger you're a younger brother. Okay. If you're younger than me, you're a younger brother. Um, I'm just concerned that as we read this verse, you're sitting here thinking that this is for this is for ten year olds or five year olds. Uh, it fits for every single man. Uh, in in this room, and uh, everybody's covered here. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you, everybody in here, be submissive one to another. We all hate the word submissive. If we're not careful, there's somebody that some of us like to talk to submission about. Who might that be? Sydney. Aha! <laughs> yeah, we sometimes we like to remind our wives that they're to be submissive, but even before that great passage in in Ephesians telling wives to submit to their husbands, it tells us again, just like right here, submit one to another in the fear of the Lord. I dislike the way most study Bibles break that passage up and make that, that verse separated from the other verse. No, it's all one continuous thought. We're to be submissive one to another. You cannot and you will not be submissive if you're not a genuine man of humility. And if you don't pray, if prayer isn't a regular part of your life, no matter what you think of yourself, you're not a man of humility. And that's exactly what Peter is unfolding here among many other things. Yes, all of you be submissive one to another. Now what's the next thing say? And what? Be clothed with humility. You need to get up every day and remind yourself who you are apart from Christ. And then pray and thank God that you're in Christ. And clothe yourself with humility. Well, why? He says why. Because God resists the proud. You don't want to walk out in the day... Um, Later on, he's going to tell us, resist the devil. Resist sin. But sometimes, we walk out into the day resisting, having God resist us because we're, we're full of pride. 
um, and, and he's needed to chastise us and bring stuff into our life to humble us. It's just so much easier to humble yourself. It's so much wiser to humble yourself. Shake your head if you're getting this. Yes? Okay? And so God resists the crowd, but he, but he gives grace to the humble. What does that mean? He, he, he takes His power, which is in you through the Spirit, and as you'll humble yourself, He'll pour that grace out and let that humbling continue. He'll, he'll let you see your sin. He'll, see, he'll let you see your weakness, but you'll be able to see that in the light of the Gospel. In, in the fact that He has removed from you your sins as far as the East is from the West, He remembers them no more. And you can pray like John was saying. You, you can pray, God, kill the sin that's in me. God, give me, give me the faith to believe your promises today. Lord, give me victory over my besetting sins. God, help me to be a man of and fill in the blank. And you can begin to pray that way and know that the Spirit of God, you're humbling yourself. And He's going to pour your grace out because He wants to answer those prayers. He that's begun a good work in you will complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. He wants to do that work. And yet there's work for you to do as He's, as he's doing it. goes on to say, therefore, humble yourselves. Think about that. Think how close these are. Be clothed with humility. Don't forget, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And now he, and now he says again, therefore, humble yourself. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in, in due time. And then what's the very next thing? It's the verse that so often we claim, I'm sure if we had gone longer, somebody here would have said First Peter 5, 7. Most all of us have it. I mean, cast your care upon Him because He cares for you, right? He does! What a wonderful thing! We, we, can take and, we can give all of our burdens to the Lord. But that's in the context that we've humbled ourselves. That, that we've humbled ourselves. Not my will be done, but thy will be done. And as we as we've humbled ourselves before the Lord... As we as we we submit to him, as we as we say, Lord, Lord, as I come to you today, I, I, I want to live for you, die for me, uh, Lord. I'm I'm nothing, and you're everything. Hallowed be thy name, Lord. Without you, I can do absolutely nothing. Like Nathan preached on on Sunday night, Lord, set my thoughts according to your words. Change my desires. Renew my mind. Give me the mind of Christ. Help me to think on things above. Help me to set my mind on things above. Help me to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Anything, Any argument that comes into my mind that, that is an argument against the very truths of the Word of God, give me the discernment to be able to see that and to be able to cast that down and replace it with that which is good and true and lovely and honorable and praiseworthy. And, and so I'm, I, I'm praying in that way. That's what Peter is saying here. Clothe yourself with humility. Remember, God will give grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, because now I'm at the place where I can begin to cast all my care upon Him. Because He cares for you. So, we have many hindrances to prayer. And um, he mentioned a few. Um, they're there. We could we could talk about that, and, and we would be in, in great fellowship talking about them. We all have them, and so there's a discipline that's needed. If you don't set aside a time for prayer 
and if you don't guard your heart and your mind, you, you won't get deeply into the Word and as an outflow of the Word, be the man of prayer. Just It, it won't happen. You, you will get distracted. So each of us would have to handle that um, uh, a different way, uh, but it's very real. And he talks here about we lack real belief. I'm going to give you this one little, I believe, nugget. One of, the, one of the motivations that will help your faith, besides praying for faith, is being very specific about your prayers, keeping track of what you have prayed, and then on a very regular basis, reviewing that and seeing how many ways and how many times and how continuous God answers prayer. Here's one of our huge problems, if I might say so. We don't pray specifically, I suspect because of lack of faith. Maybe fear. And so and so God's answering prayers. But I don't even know he's answering prayers. And so therefore I'm not acknowledging that he's working and I'm not giving him hallowed be thy name. I'm not giving him the I'm not giving him the glory due his name for the fact that he answers prayer. And so somebody over here said that verse. Who said the verse about um, if any man lacks wisdom? Somebody say that was here. Somebody. Okay. Uh, if any man lacks wisdom, let him pray and ask of the Father, who will give liberally to him that lacks wisdom. That's a great prayer. However, if that's just all you pray, and that's the way you pray, I'm not telling you you're praying wrong, but I'm telling you that that you're you're not helping yourself. Because you didn't ask God what wisdom you needed. But if you get very specific, I've tried to pray daily through my day, before I start my day. Do you know what you're going to do today? Do you have a plan? you have things you face? You need wisdom for those things. So you, you pray very specifically about those things. I'm going to give you a case in point. Um... And, and, and many times the, the answers to prayer are many, many little prayers, but every time you begin to see that God hears and answers your specific prayer, do you see how that encourages you and it motivates you to pray again and again and again? And as you're doing that with your wives or with your children, then that's helping them to see. So within the last two weeks, Judy and I got together and we prayed for an area of wisdom and an area of discernment. And... It's not one of those areas where I can go to the Scripture and and He's going to give me the exact thing I need to do. So I've got principles and, and I can get counsel, but I, I'm going to have to have a sense of, of God working and confirming and knowing. It was a simple thing. We've had one family doctor for more than 30 years. We grew up with him. And the problem is, he retired. Looked at me and said, it's time for you to do the same thing. <laughs> and... Um, and it's a traumatic thing when your doctor is your best, one of your better friends, and, and, and you love your doctor, and your doctor loves you, and he's a he, he's a he's a believer, and and now all of a sudden in this time in your life, I mean, likely whatever I'm going to face from here to glory is going to be the time I'm probably going to need a doctor more than I've ever needed a doctor in my whole life, right? And hurry up and get through school there. <laughs> I need you. But while I'm waiting for that to happen, I need a doctor. So I'm praying very specifically with my wife and we have an appointment with a brand new doctor. This brand new doctor 
is young enough to be my grandson. I'm thinking, does he know anything? <laughs> Us older guys think that sometimes. And, you know, I try to convince myself, well, he would know cutting edge uh, because he just got out of school. And I'm thinking, yeah, I just got out of school and he practiced on a few people and, and now I'm going to be one of his first patients and he's going to practice on me. And I, I had all kinds of misgivings in me, just honestly. I prayed personally about that and Judy prayed personally about that. Confirm for us this is the direction we're supposed to go. Lord, we, we don't know. We, we want to have good medical care. Now, I don't know what the end of the story is. There have been times when I thought I had an answer to prayer and then I found out later that what I thought was an answer really wasn't an answer. It was just Larry. So whenever you're talking about these things, you have to be careful. But this was just so dramatic, I have to share it with you. So we went in to see the doctor. And we had good conversations with the doctor. They told us he would only have five minutes because on day one he had no patients. On day two he had 2,500 patients because he inherited the practice. And as he said to me, I know some of those 2,500 people, but I don't know anything about their medical history and it's going to take me a while to, you know, to get in the groove. You're going to need to be patient with me. It was reasonable. We talked about my health and we talked about some things that needed to be done and he renewed some prescriptions. And then he says to me, the Lord for his purposes, he said those words, the Lord for his purposes. Now most doctors aren't going to want to venture out into that ice. He knew who I was. He was familiar with me. He knew I was a pastor, so I'm sure that probably helped give him some courage. But he said to me, he said to me, the Lord, for his purposes, has given me, in my new practice, nine or ten area pastors. He said, I take that as an amazing privilege and an awesome responsibility. And, and, and I'm not sure what the Lord's doing with all that, but you're one of them. And he said, you come here primarily for physical health. And that's primarily what I want to give you. But you've come here today, and today... As an introduction, I want to give you encouragement. And I would like to pray for you. Would you let me pray for you and for your family? Because you spend all of your days pouring yourself out into other people. I'd like you to leave here knowing that there's somebody pouring themselves into you. Well, I was just stunned. Have you ever had a doctor that came anywhere close to saying anything like that to you? in a secular setting, totally secular setting. No, me neither. So my wife and I are sitting there. And so we said, no, I don't want prayer. <laughs> yes, sir. And we bowed our heads, and that man prayed down heaven. I'm not talking about God is good, God is great, bless him for this food. I mean, he prayed down heaven. Um, he prayed very specifically for me and for my wife and for my family and for uh, the ministry and for my health and for my spiritual protection and for my heart and for my mind. And then he concluded with that great, um, I guess we would call it a, a, a benediction or a blessing from Numbers chapter 6. That the Lord would bless me and keep me and make his face to shine upon me. And uh, I, I mean, my wife and I almost had tears in our eyes. But there were two reasons that we almost had tears in our eyes. And the first was just the, the sense of the encouragement 
that this man poured his heart over me in a doctor's office. But as we walked out, we looked at each other and said, I think God answered our prayer. I think God answered our prayer. That's pretty confirming, isn't it? And do you think that that helps drive me to my knees tomorrow when my flesh says, I ain't got time to pray? Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. What do you mean you don't? I don't have time not to pray. Amen. I don't have not. I don't have time not to pray, and neither do you. But we'll believe the lie that we don't have time if we don't make it. Let me tell you this, man. It is easier to study than it is to pray. Let me tell you something, man. It's easier for a pastor to prepare a sermon than it is to pray. It's easier to write a book than it is to pray. Do you know that it's easier to do almost anything on the face of the earth than pray? Could you give testimony of that? Would you say that you have found consistent, effective prayer is one of the most difficult things you face? And yet, what does it say in the book of James? Turn to James chapter 5. We know there has to be a place and a time for everything under the sun, so that means there's going to have to be a place and a, and a time for your prayer life. Uh, but I'm, I want to encourage here, you here in James uh, chapter 5, and I'd like to start with verse 17. Verse 17 says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. What does that mean? Tim, you are one of the experts um, when it comes to language and we trust you brother (laughs) what does that mean Elijah was a man like us as you understand it I don't know you don't know Clay can you give a shot at it I was just saying that he he shared our likeness he's not some sort of superhuman he was similar to us did Elijah have temptations? What, what do you know about Elijah? Did, did he always did, did Elijah always walk on the top of the mountain? No. no. I mean, sometimes he was in the cave, wasn't he? Uh, Elijah is one of the few places that we have in Scripture when what we would call a man of God actually was suicidal. His depression was deep. Uh, I, I mean. Uh, I didn't mean to put you in the spot, brother, so forgive, forgive me for that. And, and I know you wanted to be very, very careful with the text, and I, I greatly appreciate that. Um, so there's many things being said here, but I, I think the main point is you're going to see in a moment is clearly this. Don't put Elijah on a pedestal. Don't put him on a pedestal. He's just like you. All the weaknesses, all the struggles, all, all, all of the things that you deal with every day he had a busy life. Was it different? Because he lived in a different culture in a different time than ours. Yes, but his sin, his depravity is exactly the, the same as ours. Okay, so Peter, excuse me, James is saying that. He's reminding us that after he's told us something else. And look what the after is. Or the before is, rather. Look at verse 16. Confess your trespasses or your faults to one another. (coughs) Pray for one another that you may be healed. And then the verse we often quote, right? The half of verse, what? The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man 
availeth much. And the first thought that comes to our mind is, how can I be an effective and fervent man? I'm just not effective. I'm just not a fervent. And James anticipates that question, that objection, and he says, hold it, wait a minute. You're just like Elijah. And he takes Elijah, I'm convinced, because of the fact that Elijah prayed down heaven on the one hand, and on the other hand, he's in a cave wanting to quit, wanting to give up, wanting to die. And that's the ups and downs of our life, isn't it? And, and James is reminding them, listen, no. No, your, your prayers matter. You're, you have no righteousness of your own, but you are in Christ. You have the righteousness of Christ, and you can come boldly to the throne, and you can pray like Elijah prayed. And you can have answers to prayer like Elijah had answers to prayer. So, pray specifically. And uh, keep track of your prayers. And then reflect and review on your prayers and record those answers because that will encourage you that will give you a testimony of faith that you can give to somebody else. Turn the page if you if you would, please. He says um, in C, there's a lack of preparedness because distractions uh, abound. Which is true. And so again, I, I would ask you, here's, here's what I would like. Here, here's your homework. If you can't do this now, then you should be able to do this by next week. If we were alone and it would just be you and me and I asked you, in your typical day, when do you have planned to pray? And you would be able to say to me, I plan to pray, and you, you tell me when it is that you, that you plan to pray. And then if I said, when in your day, if you're married, when do you plan to pray with your wife as part of shepherding her heart and her life and being one flesh with her? And you would say, and you'd fill in the blank, and you, you would give me the answer. That, that's your homework. If you have children, then I would ask you to say, how do you plan to pray as a family? When's that in your routine? Because there's a, a season for everything. There's a season when that child is a baby, and how you're going to pray over that baby and with that baby is going to be completely different than when they're 16 years old. And your marriage, when you first get married, is going to be young and it's going to be fresh and it's going to be lovely. But I'm facing my 50th anniversary. And if God carries his coming, you might see that day. But the seeds that you plant today are the fruit that you're going to bear 30 and 40 and 50 years ago. And you as leaders and men need to train the ears of your wife, the ears of your children, their palates to want to hear their husband and their father pray for them. You want 
to them to grow up in a culture where they're not only used to hearing you pray, they hunger to hear you pray because they know when you pray, God answers. And in so doing, you're teaching them to pray. You're teaching them the importance of prayer. And so, how is that going to be scheduled into your day? Be able to share that. Obviously, I'm not going to be teaching next week, so you don't have to share it with me, but I would encourage you as an accountability to look around, pick somebody here, and decide, I'm going to share it with this person from an accountability standpoint. And so I think it covers everybody in here. Right now, if you're not married, just how am I going to take care of myself? How am I going to pray myself? What is what is my schedule? I want to note that if we look at Jesus' teaching... Um, which my, my time is flying, but in, in Matthew uh, chapter 6, and we looked at the Lord's Prayer, uh, we, we know that he was a powerful man of prayer because of all the things that the disciples could have asked him. They didn't say, teach me how to be a soul winner. They didn't say, teach me how to preach. Uh, they, they didn't even say anything other than, wow, this is, this is amazing. Teach me how to pray like you. And so... Um, when, when you look at that, you, you you see that he was a powerful man of prayer, but you also see that it's obvious that he expects his disciples to pray. So uh, again, I go back there. If you're genuinely a disciple, then there's an expectation that you're going to pray. Look through that sixth chapter of Matthew. You'll, you'll see that splattered all over there. Jesus assumes you're going to pray. When you go into your prayer closet, when you pray, it's, it, it's always with the assumption you're, you're praying. I mean, that's already a, a, settled, a settled thing. And, and so uh, with that, I, I'm going to give you, um, uh, what I'm going to say, are three things that are very helpful for me and that I tried to develop and put into my life and by God's grace, have, and then I fail, and then I repent, and I put them back in, and I have victory for a while, and I fail, and then I put them back in. That's that's a process we all go through. Okay, don't don't look at me as some great man that stands on a mountain and pulls down heaven. No, I'm I'm more like the Elijah in the cave than I am the Elijah that called down fire from heaven. I want to become that other man. I'm working on that. You don't have the wrong impression about me. I struggle like you. Find the time and to make the commitment to battle my own pride, my own flesh. But I find that these three things are helpful. Jesus said that um, when you go in uh, to your prayer closet, Matthew, excuse me, Mark one thirty-five, he went up into a mountain to pray. The verses they gave you here in um, Luke, um, over and over again, Christ was going to a mountain to prayer. There needs to be a secluded place, a prayer closet. I don't care where it is. There needs to be a place where you pray. And so figure out where that place is. And make that a familiar place. Make it something that you... This is your place to pray. If I were to walk up and to ask you, where is your prayer closet? It doesn't have to be a closet. You understand that. But where is your secluded place? It's your regular place. It's your normal place. That's where you go to pray. Because not only do you have to have a time, you have to have a place. And I call that prayer my closet prayer... But I will put a dash, closet prayer dash, and there's nothing in the scripture that commands you to do this. I'm simply sharing with you my own practice. 
I take it as an application to be clothed with humility every day. Larry, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. So I put in my prayer closet dash knee prayer. Okay, I spend time on my knees before a holy God and see that as being absolutely essential. He gave his life for me. He spilled his blood for me. He is holy and he is so far removed from me without the protection of Christ. Um, Your sins ever run through your mind? I know they sure do mine. And I have to remind myself over and over again turn that into a praise. Hallelujah. I remember it, but he's chosen not to. And, and, and that's a time to do that in, in, in praise and in, in prayer. And I call that my prayer closet. I call that my knee prayer. And as I've gone through Ecclesiastes 3.1, different seasons of life, that has to be a different way. You have to adapt. When I had small children, I don't do that the same today as an empty but nest. I confess to you. I told, I think it was Clay the other day. We were talking about this. Obviously, it's easier for me to have time alone in my closet today. I only got one other person in my house. You may have seven little rub rats running around, and and you're going to have to work at it. But you don't get a you don't get an excuse card. You work at it and you figure it out because you can't live without it. Amen. We can't live without it. So we need to be serious about helping one another. So there's the prayer closet prayer that I do. Secondly, there is the spouse or the family prayer. Absolutely essential for those of you that are married. Why? Who are the closest people to the Lord Jesus Christ? I always ask questions that are so simple everybody would know the answer. Who is the closest to the Lord Jesus Christ, humanly speaking? His disciples. Thank you. Okay. It wasn't a trick question. And what did his disciples ask him to do? Teach him how to pray. And why did they do that? Because they saw him pray all the time and as they saw him pray they saw what? Answers to prayer. Your wife and your children need to see you pray. They need to hear you pray. It's essential. So put it into the schedule. It's absolutely essential. It's critical. Learn to do it. Learn how to do it. Don't start big. My alarm was set this morning for 4.15 and like always, my eyes popped open at 4.14. Shut off the alarm so it didn't have to go. I did all the things that I would normally do and that included, you can well imagine, my wife was sound asleep when I left today. And I didn't do that because I'm teaching this today. My wife will tell you I've been doing this for years and years and years. I went into that bedroom before I left and I bent down over top of her and I, I pulled her into my arms and into her, into her ears I whispered a prayer of blessing I may never see that woman again I have no idea what today holds but if I never see her again she knows and the last thing she'll ever have heard from this man was me praying to God in behalf of her that took me <clears throat> one and a half minutes 
It's not a matter of time, folks. It's a matter of purpose. It's a matter of plan. And I slipped off into the early morning. And, and so, that time with your wife. So there's closet prayer. There's the spouse and family prayer. And then, uh, lastly, of course, Paul says pray without ceasing. So we have to learn to go through uh, the day. We have to learn to go through the day praying. Don't don't be concerned about short prayers. Yes, brother. I just wanted to, uh, before you leave the issue of praying with your wife, um, in counseling, I have helping her marriages in conflict. A lot of times, uh, when you read the Bible with them, they always give God the glory. I mean, they will. They say, it's not your words. It's not your Bible. <clears throat> you know, and so in their hearts, they always, because this women tell me they give their give God glory. They, they appreciate that I was reading to them. But when you pray for your wife, they always give you the grace that you need. Amen. Cool. Amen. The Bible's full of short prayers and strong evidence that God opens short prayers. So don't, so don't think every prayer has to be a prayer closet prayer. Um, Peter prayed a pretty short prayer. Do you remember it? Jesus, save me. Did God, did God answer his prayer? There's a thief on a cross who prayed a pretty short prayer. Do you remember what that was? Lord, remember Remember me. <laughs> so, so don't don't take everything I'm saying, and and if you struggle with prayer, don't don't sit here and think, okay, well, so tomorrow I need to be Spurgeon. You're not going to be Spurgeon tomorrow, okay? Uh, tomorrow, uh, just start. Find the time. Figure it out. If you're if you're married and you're not sure how, ask your wife for some help. Figure it out. Make a plan. Commit to it. Start. It's a discipline. You need to run. You aren't going to just say, "Okay, well, that's it." I, I you know, I, I think I'll be a participant in the ten miler, and you don't walk out the next day and run ten miles. You, you got to start. You have to start somewhere. So start with humbling yourself, admitting that you need it. If you haven't done it, admit that you haven't done it. Humble yourself. Ask for God to help. Get yourself a plan. Figure out where you're going to do it, and start small, and let the Spirit of God grow you. And so you you pray through the day. Um, I have wore out. And sometimes I'll give them out on visitation or different times. But I write all kinds of different things in cards. And some I wouldn't give because they're so sweaty from when I walk and pray or whatever else. But I'll, I'll write little verses um, or different uh, songs or, or hymns. Um, and so I, I can pull that out. And you go through your... have all kinds of times between a meeting. When I'm going here, I'm going there. Where you can just stop and you can just... You can pray for a few minutes and you can pray the Scripture. And at the same time, you're meditating uh, on, the, on the Scripture. And maybe you'll get the blessing of something like this. My wife gave me this probably two weeks ago. I went to my place of prayer. My wife knows where my place of prayer is. And this is what I found in my place of prayer. She'll probably shoot me for showing you that because it looks like a little kid thing. But there it is. Cast all your care upon Him for He cares for you. A great reminder for all of us. That's that's her words. And so that's sitting there my place of prayer to encourage me. So now I can carry that around with me for, for a season. Um, but we, we meditate on God's Word and then we turn that through uh, prayer all the, all the day long and uh, God, will, God will 
uh, bless you with that. So, you see all the rest of the stuff. We have to we have to be devoted in prayer. Um, there has to be uh, a commitment. Um, really, don't think we'll go into that today. Um, I think we probably um, had enough. I think we get the point. I really would encourage you to go through all this. I do want us to close. Uh, with a prayer, and that prayer is going to be um, on the video uh, here. It's going to be a video prayer. It's going to be uh, the Lord's Prayer, but I think it will be helpful to you. It's a blessing to me, and um, I'll be around afterwards if you want to talk about it. Pastor, in light of um, our topic this morning, can I ask the men if they remember this week of prayer? Uh, we're headed to the Amazon tomorrow morning. Are you? Yes, yes, sir. So we'll be there for a week, um, and we have a team of 11 guys. We covet your prayers. Amen. Pray for Jim. Put that in your, in your prayer. This is our closing prayer.